Gig Gab, the Working Musicians Podcast, episode 102 for Monday, February 13th, 2017. Greetings, folks, and welcome to Gig the podcast by for and about working musicians here taking a break from being a working musician for a little bit to record this show here in Durham, New Hampshire. I'm Dave Hamilton. And here after a long weekend of being a working musician, Paul Kent in Los Gatos, California. How, uh, how was your weekend, Mr. Kent? It was really busy after not too much going on for several weeks. I had a really fun time doing, doing a whole bunch of different things. I did a, a solo acoustic show. <clears throat> I did a, a big house rocker show. I then started a recording project at a cool studio. And then um, I played uh, Nick in the House Rockers. He had a big birthday party where four of the big bands that he's been in over his lifetime all played a set with a, a bunch of sit-ins. Actually, you'll be proud of this. I, uh, I sat in with one of the bands, as did the House Rocker Horns, and we did a rousing rendition of Julius. Oh, nice. Very cool. It rocked. And then uh, I got to sit in with the Bliss Ninnies. And uh, Nick, actually, at one point in his life, wrote... Uh, I guess it's it's a rock opera is really what it is. Oh. And uh, I got to play on three or four of those songs. So wow. it was really fun. I got to do a lot of stuff. The recording, I mean, everything was fun. It was, you know, the solo acoustic gig was awesome. Yep. I hadn't had a chance to do that for a while and, you know, was rusty in a couple of places and, and found some new voices and some new stories on a couple of things. Had a good crowd. Uh, the house rocker gig on Friday was off the hook. I mean, we had a packed house. Although I will stop talking while we're talking about the house rocker gig. It was one of those things where we played a lot of new music. Yep. The energy was going through the roof and tempos got away from us. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, <laughs> yeah. But but literally, I mean, the energy in the room was crazy. And um, it's very, very weird. You know, I thought I was counting. I, I was trying to take a breath, gather myself, kind of imagine the song. And I thought I was counting, you know, off correctly. Yep. Um, but I was probably a little pushed. Joe was a little pushed and the adrenaline was going because, you know, the real tempos of these things when your adrenaline is going feel weirdly slow. Yes. Do yeah. they feel, you think they feel weirdly slow to the audience? Oh, that's a good question. Their adrenaline, their adrenaline's going too. Right. Yeah, probably not. Uh, uh, yeah. I, I think in general, uh, probably not. I mean, within reason, right? I think, you know, if you add whatever, you know, five, maybe 10, but certainly anywhere in the single digits BPM to a tune, I think that probably feels somewhat normal, right? It's really hard to pull the reins back. You're all really. in the same boat. Yeah, that's a good point. I never thought about it from the, the crowd's perspective. Uh, I mean, I've certainly noticed it when I go see, uh, you know, bands, especially bands that I've seen a lot. Like, um, you know, Rush was actually always re usually really good at keeping their tempos in check. But occasionally you would, you know, hear him play a song. And it's like, oh, all right, this one's a little little fast tonight. But but with Fish, um, who, I saw, who I've also seen a lot, their tempos will vary pretty widely um, depending on whether they segue into a tune or, or just, you know, start it kind of while the, the, the previous tune is ending. That oftentimes that's going to be a little faster than if they take a breath and start the tune, you know, sort of intentionally. But um, but yeah, I mean, you know, the only well, the, with short of using a click to give you that count in, um, 
the, you know, I, I find the best way, as we've said on the show before, is to stop for a second and like get your body moving to the tempo and like, okay, yep. God, now I can feel it because yeah, in your head alone, no, <laughs> it's always wrong <laughs> or it can be wrong. Huh. Yeah, yeah. So I'm just kind of reflecting this like, but do you accept that the adrenaline is flowing and you consciously push it a little bit? I mean, so there's the one thing right. when it gets away from you unintentionally, that's not good. But if you feel that that's where your body and your band and the room is going, yep. you know, would you play something knowingly a little faster than you might have rehearsed? I don't know that I would intentionally count it fast. I, I mean, I've certainly counted songs fast and I and I'm sure I will again. Um, I don't know that I've ever said we should play. Yeah, I guess maybe I have. We should play this one faster. Um, it's always easy once you start a song. If you want to like give it a little push, certainly yeah. as the drummer, it's Take pretty, it the other way. It's pretty easy to go forward. Yeah, with the tempo, yeah. it's very very difficult to to pull back. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Now you got me all worried, man, because I've been <laughs> well, I've been I've been rehearsing uh, for these this theater thing, right? That I mentioned I'm doing, and we have our we were supposed to have a rehearsal last night, but we had a blizzard instead. So uh, we have a dress rehearsal tonight, and then the show is tomorrow on Valentine's Day. And I would say at least half the tracks or half the songs that we're doing, I'm playing along to a click track. And the the problem is I'm having no trouble locking in with the click uh, on these tracks here. And so I've been a little bit concerned, like, OK, wait a minute. I know this isn't that easy. So why why am I not having any trouble? And it's because I don't have other musicians. I'm just locking in with, you know, with a click and, and some some backing tracks that are that will be played. So maybe those backing tracks will actually help uh, mm-hmm. lock things in because it's not just a click. You're actually playing along and there might be a, you know, a, a keyboard or a guitar or even, you know, something else percussive enough to, to lock in with. But I, now I'm a little worried about, OK, well, what happens if All the right. crowd if the crowds, you know, tomorrow night, if the crowd's up and, and happening with this thing, you know, is, is, are we going to want to push it? Yeah, I don't know. I'll find out. I'll let you know next week. Yep. All right, cool. <laughs> All right, so I want to share uh, about this recording project I did. So I'm like feeling pretty good. You know, I've got these solo things. I've got Acoustic Madness. House Rockers are going great. And then I have this recording project. And then I also have that um, solo Night of Springsteen acoustic music that I got to do. And, right. Um, that's, coming that's coming up. That's coming up. Right? Yeah, April 1st. Okay. And I'm actually, after we record here, I'm going to go over and talk to the guy at the venue. And we're going to get a little bit of a marketing plan together because the, the way that the he, he takes care of the ticket sales for that there. Okay. So, um, um, but I got a lot of like varied things going on, which feels very creative and, and a lot of fun. But this recording project I did. So I'm going to record four songs and I'm going to do an EP. And um, again, at the, at the risk of going too far into the into the political controversy, I just felt compelled to do this. I'm going to record sure. these songs, and I'm going to put them up. I'm going to print some CDs. I'm going to put them up on iTunes, and any of the proceeds from it are going to go to uh, the ACLU. Oh, nice, cool. Yeah, I mean, I think it's nice. Again, it's my way. And I'll tell you the funny thing is, my daughter called me and she said. I have a bone to pick with you. Why didn't you march in the women's march? Ah. And I didn't really have a good answer. You sure. know, I just, it didn't dawn on me to do it. Yeah. And I was like, you know what? It, you got to get off your butt and not just be a, a, a Facebook complainer yeah. and, and be part of a solution in some way, if you feel to be part of a solution. So sure. this is, this is my deal. And again, I don't, I don't it's, this isn't about politics. It's more about, 
um, I'm doing this project and, you know, I kind of have a plan for this project all the way through. It's two acoustic songs, two band songs. I put together a couple guys to play on it. I did the two acoustic songs on Saturday and then the two band songs we're going to do next Monday. Um, The songs I just recorded are American American Tune by Paul Simon and Times They Are Changing by Dylan. And then the two band songs we're going to do are Chimes of Freedom, which is a Dylan song that Springsteen did in, in in kind of a cool arrangement big you know rock and roll arrangement and uh and get up stand up by bob marley oh nice so that's that's the ideas of the project but the main thing i wanted to talk about was um, i I actually have a question before you get to your main thing so you're going to be selling these tunes but they're not your tunes i mean they're tunes that that other people wrote how are you it, it does like um uh who cd baby or any one of those do they just like magically deal with the royalties on that for you I don't know. And I got to look into it. So, okay. you know, all the kind of like moving parts of a project like this, I went to louder L O U D R. Yeah. Yeah. And they do. It's company. like, yep. it's 15 bucks flat and 9.1 cents per song. You think you're going to, you're going to sell. Okay. So a four song EP is going to cost me 36 cents per CD and royalties. Okay. All right. Right. Yep. Yep. Okay. So, so, so cool. Okay. So you, I mean, you, you've got at least some way of dealing with the royalties in, in a, in, in the right way. Yeah. I, I know I need to, I don't know what I don't know. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, right. But I, right. but I need to learn about it. So yeah, I mean, definitely my full plan is to take care of the royalties. I got um, our friend, you know, you're in my mutual friend, Lisa Snyder is working on some art and yeah. liner art for me. And so all, you know, all the parts of doing a project like cool. this that I've never done like this before. Cool. And, um, but the thing that I wanted to share with you, so, you know, I've had Mary Ellen, my singing partner in Acoustic Madness on the show a couple of times, not on the show, but I talked about her a few times, right? Yeah, we should have her on the show. Yeah. Well, we should have her on the show because we definitely need to do, you know, she has some really interesting stories about being the chick in a band, mm-hmm. you know, and the perspective of what that's like. And, you know, she's, she's a lifetime musician, right? you know, brilliant musician that's dealt with, dealt with and seen so many different situations. We definitely need to have her on. But the point of all this is her husband, Tom, is an accomplished musician, great guitar player, but also an accomplished producer and engineer. And he came over to help me out. Now, Tom actually recorded the House Truckers demo and we did it about 12, 13 years ago. And I remember it being a really, really good experience. And I, I asked him to come over and work with me. He's going to play guitar in the band parts of, the, of this CD. But um, the tactic that he uses to help me record, I don't know that everybody has something like this when they do it, when, when a band does a demo, a cover band does a demo. But Tom was awesome. I mean, so I laid down a scratch track, and then I, which was me. So these are the two acoustic um, songs, which was me playing acoustic and singing at the same time. Okay. Then I went back and recorded the guitar track to the to the scratch track. Got it. And then I went back to sing. And we had a few different discussions about whether it's better to do both at one time and, you know, all these types of things. And they, you kind of uh, had all the options at that point, right? I mean, you had the original track that that presumably now is a scratch track with both. And then and then you replaced or not replaced, but layered each. Yeah. And then you can pull the original out or actually have it in if you want. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And the guy who owns the studio is going to be playing bass on this incredibly talented guy, Chris Beveridge. I don't know if you ever heard of a band called Giraffe, which is, which was a, a, a Bay Area based band, kind of a prog rock type band that was about to break and um, and through a, a long series of stories didn't actually break. But um, it, it, the readers should really, our listeners should listen, go look up um, Kevin Gilbert and the band Giraffe. 
and Toy Matinee. So Chris was the bass player in Giraffe, really, again, accomplished musician, a great help. He was doing more of the technical engineering. It was his studio. But Tom really was serving more as a producer to me. So I laid down a scratch track. I redubbed the guitar part. And then I sang. Okay. And what, and what Tom did for me that was just so remarkable was he let me go, you know, just drop down a, a vocal track. And then we almost went line through line through the song. And he would talk about my enunciation of certain vowels and syllables. He would talk about whether the line I'm singing is containing the emotion that I wanted to, to tell the story that I wanted to. It was just such a remarkable, cathartic experience to, you know, and I think that that's what recording is. I mean, I, I would imagine most people approach recording as I can't wait to get my skill down and you know wait till they see my fastball on on tape but you know it's a much more laborious process because this one thing is going to live forever you know as a record of what you did and i i I think you know there are some people who can probably come in and one take things you know the, the frank sinatra uh perspective but um i think for many of us there's a gap between what you're capable of and what you probably put down the first time and how you bridge that gap is you know if you're lucky enough to have somebody to take you on that journey, which I just did. Yep. It was an incredible experience. So literally, you know, and I would say, um, I'd say about, about 60% of what I sang in the, in the one or two takes that I did the whole thing were usable. Right. And then, and about 40%, there were tweaks. And again, the tweaks were the little things they were, you mumbled over that word, um, snap off the end of that vowel. Um, your pacing is a little behind the rhythm. I mean, like really yeah. finite, it was so awesome. I mean, Dave, it was like I learned so much. And when I heard the song played back to me, it was like a different song. I mean, yeah. I, didn't even, I, I didn't even know what I was doing wrong, you know, often. I was just emoting a song when I play it live or something like that. Sure. And especially on um, American Tune, which is, you know, the Dylan stuff is, you know, that <laughs> was fairly straightforward, right? Well, and, and you could mumble the worst you've ever mumbled and it would still be clearer than, uh, yeah, than yeah, the yeah, original. Yeah. I, I know where you stand on this. <laughs> you shared it with me before. Um, but the Dylan stuff was like, A, just smack dab in a very easy part of my range. Sure. Very, only easy thing to do and and yeah it's not as particular on some of those things but american tune is this beautiful looking yeah. you know song and um uh i thought i was pretty good at it and i learned i learned so much about just again dissecting the work um and i don't know i mean has that been your experience when you've done uh, covered demos with other bands it doesn't matter whether you do on a cover or an, or an original uh yeah th- exactly the same experience and well my only point is if you're doing an original you might you might have engaged a producer you know or someone to give you some guidance you know for this very reason but i think a lot of cover bands it's a demo whereas an original project is probably likely something to sell uh, so i don't know that a lot of cover bands would actually be exposed to this type of well, it, I think it depends on right. It depends on who you have in in the in the room with you in the control room, right? Because like when when we've done stuff for Fling, uh, Russ is is great at that. Um, he really he's a great little nitpicker. Uh, he and he doesn't get tired of it. Like he he just will think, no, we got to get this part right. And it's true of not just vocals, but any sort of delivery. Like, no, okay, we got to line this up. The bass and the kick drum need to be lined up here. And sometimes you can, you know, with that sort of stuff, you can sort of nudge it with, you know, in in logic or or whatever, but uh, Pro Tools, if you're using that. But but other times it's like, no, no, let's retake it. That's fine. And and yeah, having someone that's that's 
very detail oriented and not um, someone who will give up easily because it does get tedious at times. Mm-hmm. And you have to, you know, you almost need like, like, like the, the attitude of a coach, right. Where it's like, uh, you know, you got to like build them up and make them sound good. And I've actually yeah. seen, I've seen engineers, well, producers working with engineers say, all right. Yep. Uh, like I've been in the control room while somebody else is singing. We were doing a demo, a, a, a cover song demo with the responders or, maybe route 66, but my friend Keith was singing a tune and uh, we were like, okay, yeah, he sang that note flat a couple of times. All right, let's send it through auto tune. And now let's play it back for him so that he hears like that. He did it right. And that'll give him the confidence to, you know, keep going. Cause if we keep beating on him, we can beat on him a couple times and he can take it. But at some point, you know, you don't want to shatter someone's confidence. You just, Oh wanna... no, there's a whole mind psychology thing that goes totally. into this. Yeah. And this is the thing, you know, again, so I'm looking through the, through the glass into the control room and, and Chris and, and, uh, and Tom are in there. And like when I did something really well, they were getting off on it. And that like just pumps you up and it just it opens your mind to all kinds of possibilities. And even when it was something it it would, I guess different people would have different approaches to it. Yeah, maybe there were a couple of times because you're just a a few percent fat uh, flat on that or sharp or what like that. And a lot of it. But not only that, it was like, take your breath here and and ease into the line here. And so it wasn't just like do this fix it it was really it was truly it was life coaching is what it was it totally yeah no you have to do that and we were we did that a lot uh russ and i actually got pretty good at that it it sort of being uh running those roles together when we were doing the most recent flings thing uh when we had mike in here and even burke in here doing and we did it for each other too for sure but we kind of know what he, I mean, we know each other's style. So uh, there's a little more honesty in it when, when it's just Russ and I, but, uh, but if it's he and I, he, he'll usually take the role of the producer. I sort of take the role of the engineer uh, just in terms of, of who's sitting where, uh-huh. but, but in terms of that whole coaching thing, it's, it's, you know, the coach and the assistant coach by, you know, no question about it. And yeah, there was, you know, times where, you know, Mike might sing a line that wasn't quite right. And Russ and I wouldn't say anything to each other about it. We know the other guy heard it. Like, okay, great. Hey, man, that was awesome. Try this. Like you said, try taking a breath here. Try, you know, getting digging in a little bit. See how your energy level is in the chorus. Okay, we need, you know, we need that over here too. That, that kind of thing. And, and just really crafting that part um, can, can be really helpful. And, it, and you wind up with a much better result yeah. generally. But, but again, it has to be. It has to be the right mix, right? If you had if you had a producer that was like sending you in the wrong direction, not necessarily the wrong direction musically, but the wrong direction psychologically, yep. that can be awful, right? And I I totally get it when you read articles about bands that have been in the studio and they're like, "Oh yeah, we fired our producer." It's like, "Yeah, okay, if he if he made you feel like crap, then that's probably too far." Usually. Well, you wonder how he got into the studio in the first place if he has that capacity. That would seem to me to be rule 1, right? Yeah, but I, but some people, I mean, I, I think there's, there's style. It's a stylistic thing, right? Some people might really get off on that. I mean, you see, you know, I've seen my son with coaches, you know, with his hockey and lacrosse over the years. And I've, that's true. And I've seen, you know, like he responds really well when a coach is like just digging in. Usually, you know, he, and we all have our limits, but I've seen other kids that, you know, that's just the, the wrong style for them. Like yeah. they need somebody to like, you know, pamper them a little bit. And it's like, okay, you know, that, but whatever works, whatever gets the, the end result out and just find the right thing. 
Well, my point of this was um, it's fun though. I think a lot a lot of uh, cover bands will go in to cut a demo, and you'll get you know a small uh, studio or you know a local studio with an engineer. Yep. And the engineer's job is to you know almost always these things are on a budget, so the engineer wants to get it done you know within your budget if you've communicated that, and that you know sometimes will be some trade offs. Yeah. I, I would imagine the worst word you could ever hear in the studio is good enough. Yeah. Right. That's right. good enough. Right. Well, and, and that can be, again, that can be part of the producer's head games, too. It's like, well, I guess that's good enough. And you're like, no, you know what? Wait a minute. Let me try one more time. Yeah. <laughs> yep. I remember, and a lot of times you're right. If, you, if you're a cover band, your engineer will be your producer, right? If, if you don't hire a separate producer, that's the only person that, that's, you know, not you. But they're very different skills is the point. Generally, yeah. I mean, but most engineers probably make, you know, somewhat decent producers. Certainly better than you would produce yourself in well, in most cases. You're, that I agree with. But I, my point being like the the ability to get a clean signal recorded, you know, and to adeptly maneuver the equipment for – for punch-ins and all that type of stuff. Sure. Is a lot different than this life coaching stuff that I'm talking about. Totally. And, and yeah. And you know, I think that's another thing is one guy's looking for that and listening to that. So I, I, I and the point to all this was I felt extremely fortunate to be in the hands of these two like great yeah. pros that got me through this. And I got, you know, two songs done in a couple hours. That's right. Not, and not just one, one play through. And it was just the, the distance between where I thought this was good for the song when I started and what I learned the song could be as I, as I ended it. And fortunately my guitar playing was pretty clean and I got through that stuff The you know, even playing to the scratch was a little bit weird. Um, oh, playing oh, to your and, own scratch track. You mean? Yeah. Yeah. And actually this is kind of interesting. Would you ever use like, if you're doing a cover um, of something, if it's a straight cover, would you use the original recording as a scratch? That's an interesting question. I never have. I've thought about that, though. Um, and actually, you know what? I think we did once when I did the covers for Groove Syndicate. We um, we wanted to just do, you know, as always, time is limited. Uh, and this was just limited by the fact that it's difficult to get six guys, you know, together for a Saturday when we all had families and other things going on. So we wanted to be as efficient as possible. So, and we knew we were going to do just snippets of songs. We weren't recording entire tracks. So we do, you know, 90 seconds of this song and whatever, 60 of that one, but we carved out the portions that we were going to do. And I actually uh, went and made those scratch tracks. So yeah, I think, I think I was playing along when I played to the, to the original tracks. And I, and I, in fact, I'm almost certain of it. Maybe not with all of them, but, but certainly with with a couple of them, and it it helped. You know, it makes it really easy to get the tempos and well, it's, be, yeah, it's better than a, it's better than just a straight click, right? Yeah, because you got a little feel to it. That's right. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So anyway, that was um, really remarkably wonderful. And if anyone who listens is out there, you know, if you're in the Bay Area or if you wanted to record in the Bay Area, if you get in touch with me, I'll put you in touch with Tom. It was, it was, it. You know, it's like million dollar production hand holding holding you know what i mean right right again line by line you know was the emotion right for that was the breath right for that was the enunciation right for that did you lead into the you know you're having a problem on this word here's how you fix it not just fix it it was right. here's how you fix it yeah you did he, right a little bit of coaching yeah 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 so it was it was really 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 cool so that was 
that was my recording experience. Uh, we talked about my tempos on, on Friday night, talked about my jam band experience <laughs> on Saturday night. And uh, I took yes, I took Sunday off. So we, we we talked a little bit about your jam band experience, but we didn't. I, I didn't. I, I knew that the Bliss Ninnies were kind of in that jam band genre, but we didn't talk about how that was for you. Because well, I mean, the house rockers, in a sense, become uh, you know sort of dabble in that in that realm in terms of you know kind of stretching out solos at times and that sort of thing. Was was it remarkably different for you playing with the Bliss Ninnies? So let me tell you about all the bands that played. So first okay. off was a, an older band of Nick's called Ella Fino, yep. which was kind of an acid funk trio. Okay. Uh, uh, keys, bass, and, and drums. Um, and they, they, you know, a lot of syncopated lines, a lot of, a lot, a lot of precision, you know, in that feel. And then sure. a, another band that Nick wrote music for and was in for a while was called Corduroy Jim. A little bit more rock you know, with an edge, um, that was, that was cool. And then, um, and then the bliss and then there were a couple other bands that did like one song in between, but uh, you know, Nick kind of comes out of that jam band genre. Right. And, um, I, it, I don't know. Is, is there a difference between just opening up solo sections and being a jam band? I mean, totally. jam band, yeah. Jam bands are like, the forms of entire songs are a little bit looser, right? Right. Right. Oh, definitely. Well, I mean, it can be, it depends on how far out, how would you describe a, a jam band? Uh, well, I mean, it, it it's kind of a loose description, right? It's it's a band that that any time any given song might be uh, might see a different direction on any given night. I think that's probably the safest yeah. description I would give for a jam band. Yeah, and that's kind of what I felt with this stuff. So yeah. Um, but so like to, said, to, be, to be fair, that's how I felt with the house rockers because I've never played with you guys before, so it was all different. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. But but it, it you know that that's as a musician though that's the difference right is you know playing a tune and and to be I totally understand that you know the the forms that we were playing may well have been like totally locked in for you guys but uh, playing in in a jam band or you know in that type of environment you don't know the form of the song before uh, before you start it and and you don't know it until you finished. So yeah. it requires sort of big ears and, and real awareness of what's going on. but Which uh, really you should have if you're a musician of any kind anyway. That's right? kind of – I was just going to say that to me that's not all that different. Although, you know, if we're playing whatever, you know, Jesse's Girl or, or, or Jenny Jenny or, you know, one of those tunes, it's like, okay, well, there's – you know, maybe the solo section will be doubled and you got to pay attention to see if the guitar player is going to walk back up to the mic, you know, after one round or, or if it's going to be two – but other than that, you know exactly where that song's going. So this is something that I've kind of got the house rockers to is like as a front man and a leader, if I feel an audience is going with something and I want to do something to, you know, e extract some part of a song, this will often happen even something that's as structured as like we play Smash Mouth All-Star. Oh, yeah. And every once in a while coming out of of uh, there's a there's a there's a break and then there's a chorus and it goes into a final verse. Um but it's just like a nice kind of lilting rhythm that's going on. And uh, I know that if I don't jump on the first note singing and I just wait, the guys know what a verse is. And, you know, when I come sure. in, they'll start counting from there. The horns, same thing with the horns, you know, the horns who have charts in front of them, they just have kind of learned there's, you know, there are verses and there are choruses. And, you know, when he gets to that part, we'll play our part. And um, that's fun for me 
because it really feels like I'm conducting the band. It right. really feels like, you know, we're going somewhere. There's some stuff that you just play note for note and, you know, they work as they work. But the ability – and Nick did this – you know, he did this last night with um, What is Hip, right? You know, we have this part in the middle. You know, we do that yeah. live version of What yeah. is Hip. And Nick just stretched it and did everything. But when he got to the part that is the familiar part that we all agree on, right. that's that's where the song picked up. That's again. where everybody comes back in. Yeah. And that's so, actually a lot of the fun. I mean, I got a really nice compliment from one of our uh, loyal people come to see us all the time. He was like, you know, you know that one of the reasons people come to see you is because the show's never the same, you know, any two nights in a row. Right. And I was like, well, I no, I thought we were all just tremendously handsome. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, so that's, I mean, I would say that that's like the first level of, of sort of the jam band sphere. And then, and then you can get deeper where like literally the, the chord structure might change on the fly. If somebody has an idea or the groove might change on the fly, if somebody has an idea and everybody just sort of goes with it. And then you might, you know, if somebody starts playing the head again, it's like, okay, right. Got it. He's over there. So let's follow him and, and let's get back to, you know, to where the tune is, or, you know, it might go and he might start playing the head of a different tune. It's like, all right, that's where we'll go. That, yep. you know, giddy up. Let's go. Yeah. So I, I can't say that I was immersed enough to have a, a big experience that, I played songs that meandered through different forms and that type of thing. So again, we were playing Nick's rock opera right. is what we did. And th- those songs were fairly uh, consistent forms that, that they played through and yeah, they, they were the well-rehearsed bands. Most composed sections. Yeah. Right. But yeah. again, I played Julius. Is that a jam band song or is it, you know, it, it, we played just, it, we just played down the form. I think we went around one extra time on a chorus cause it was rocking at the end during a vamp, but that's not anything that the house rockers wouldn't yeah, do. Yeah. I, I mean, certainly uh, obviously fish wrote Julius and fish, certainly lives in the jam band genre, but I wouldn't consider Julius one of their jam vehicles. Um, mm. I mean, it, it, there's, there's that, that, you know, that chorus that turns into sort of a solo section party, whatever you want at the end, uh-huh. but that, that's more to me, that's more like the stones or Springsteen, right. Yes. At the end of a tune where it's just like, okay, it, it's the same four chords or whatever it is. I can't remember Julius off the top of my head. Two but, chords. Two chords. Oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, okay. Right. But you know, and we're just going to play them over and over again and it's going to build and build and build. And maybe yeah. if we feel it, we'll, you know, we'll pull the energy back and then let it out and pull it back depending on how long you want to stretch it out. But that's, I mean, that's a band jamming. Sure. Certainly. But uh, you know, not quite jam bandy in that, you know, I don't know. I, I, but yeah, I, I would call that the first circle of, you know, stepping in to the to the jam band realm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it was fun. It was a lot of music. And I, I feel very fortunate to have done so many different things, have my guitar in my hand so much. That's awesome. And, uh, yeah. yeah. And, uh, you know, now we're starting to get into more gigs. February is my slowest month of the year. And then um, it really kind of hits. And I got a lot of stuff going on. So how about you? You got I mean, you didn't say anything about what you did. You yeah. been snowed in. Uh, sort of, I was actually in Dallas on Saturday morning and Friday. So, and I was in Boston last week with, uh, with the Sonos folks and, uh, and, but, and we had two blizzards and one snowstorm during my travels, but they were timed perfectly. So I, I didn't have like, none of my travels were negatively impacted by the, uh, by the snow uh, other than I sort of had it in my head that I might come home from Boston on Thursday and then drive back to the airport Friday morning. And since there was a blizzard, I just stayed in Boston Thursday night, but, but that was, I kind of knew that might happen even before I knew there was a, a storm coming. So, um, but, uh, but yeah, I didn't play any gigs this weekend, but I, I spent a lot of time on the plane charting out, uh, or making my, myself cheat sheets, I should say for all these tunes that I got to play tomorrow night. And mm-hmm. uh, like I said, I'm a little anxious about that just because the, this band has not played 
actually, this band has never played together before. I've played with some of the people that I'll be playing with, but not all. And, uh, and we've definitely never played these tunes and some of them are tracked. And so, you know, a little anxious about how it's going to go for dress rehearsal tonight. Hopefully by this point tomorrow, I'll feel a lot better about it and, and hopefully not a lot worse, but, uh, but then I've got a fling gig on, on Friday night. And so we're looking forward to that. So it should be, uh, are you doing anything different with fling for, you know, the coming summer months, given a lot of the stuff we've talked about, are there fling fest planned or there? Yeah, we've, there... Got, we've got, we've got our June fling fest planned. Uh, actually we've, and we've got the fling fest for the, the fall plan too. But, um, but yeah, we've got to kind of figure out what we're doing with fling. I, I sort of mentioned that in, in one of the recent shows here that we just need to, we need to decide what fling is going to be and, and, um, and just sort of commit to that and, and, you know, and, and we'll get there. It's good. It's, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll see. We'll see. It's, um, it, like I said, our, our, it's been, we've kind of been in a holding pattern for the last uh, 18 months or so because our keyboard player lives, lives locally, but works, uh, remotely a lot. So it makes it difficult. We get together without him sometimes. Um, I would say at least half of our rehearsals are without him. And that's sort of an interesting thing. It's like, well, we can work on some of these, you know, some new tunes or whatever. But, you know, at at this point, it's always been, but we need to make sure that, you know, we, we kind of keep the, the, the fling five as it was. And, um, and, and that, I, he, you know, his scenario may change. He, he's been talking about getting a gig closer to home and that sort of thing. So, um, so if that happens in that, that would you, you ever know, get to see if there's a guy who just wants to rehearse with you guys and, and uh, be able to fill that? We've talked about that, but that, you know, we don't, it's not that we have a problem rehearsing. It's that if we're going to play live, we like to have things, you know, we don't just like to play it all by ear. And, and so without having Aaron rehearsing these tunes with us, um, you know, we have to just be careful. It, it means we add songs more slowly than, than we'd like, I think is the, is the biggest sort of um fallout from that yeah Um, and sure and and that's you know that's um it's okay but we're we're all starting to get not i mean not not like problematically antsy but but it's obvious that we're all a little antsy because when somebody brings up a new tune it's like yeah all right let's just play it let's find it we'll you know we'll figure it out Yeah, yeah yeah so so that's where that's where kind of the 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 morphing has started happening is is we're playing a lot of different tunes and it's like so i'm curious to see how friday night goes uh, I mean, I'm sure it'll be great. Like I said, I'm just curious to see, you know, how many tunes that Aaron's never played with us before we wind up playing and, uh, and see how that all feels. So. Got it. Should be interesting. Um, yeah. So we're working on some cool guests to get on because people seem to really like it when we have these guests on. Yeah. I guess because we've had awesome guests. Yes, we've had some awesome guests. Yeah. 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 And uh, yeah, we're working on Do you, you, you want to talk about who any of these guests might be or you want to just no, let's, let's give them as a surprise. Okay. All right. Yeah. Cause I met with one last week and I think we've got, I think we've got, we've got a couple of good ones coming up. So it's yeah. Good. We'll yeah. Keep, we'll keep doing that. And yep. uh, yeah, that's all I got. Onward we go. Onward we go folks. GigGabPodcast.com is where you can find us. Uh, you can join our GigGab Podcast group for working musicians, the support group for working musicians, if you will, at uh, GigGabPodcast.com slash Facebook. Always be performing. Have a Always. good week, Paul. Yeah, man. Talk to you, Dave. See ya. See ya.